Tactical sports take. Inbound. Who the fuck is that guy? Beat him off. Stomp on his head as he's unconscious. He's a, he's a five-tool commentator. <laughs> he's a Willie Mays of sports <laughs> broadcasting. It's time now for North Star Sports, your source for the hottest sports takes in the business. Here's your host, Owen Ely. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Owen Ely Show. I'm your host, Owen Ely. You can follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. You also can follow North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star MIN. Be sure to check out our website at NorthStarsports.media. And welcome into the show, everyone. We've got a great one for you today here on this Monday, December 13th, as we look to recap UFC 269, the final pay-per-view of the 2021 calendar year, which took place, of course, on December 11th at the T-Mobile Arena in Las Vegas, Nevada. Uh, as always, it is just wonderful to be back with you guys. What an exciting pay-per-view. What a monumental uh peak for for the UFC in, in in a couple of different divisions and you know what a what a great way to close out the the year obviously we still have one more fight night but uh you know this this is a, a fantastic way to close out a, a fantastic year uh in, in regards to the uh, the pay-per-view schedule and uh you know, I, I always kind of found it funny that, uh, you know, they had the MMA awards, I believe, the night before on, on Friday. And I just kind of found it funny that um, the year's not over. The year's not over. There's still two events. And there's there's probably a couple of nominees for for some of those awards uh, in, in 2021 that, uh, that, that happened on Saturday. So don't put the cart before the horse. Uh, you know, what is it? The UFC probably does... 42 events a year and you know you, th- you think because you got 39 of them down you can do uh the, the year-end awards but uh you know you got you got to watch out there might be some there might there might be there, there might have been some winners on this 269 card which is why you know we don't do the awards until well i guess next saturday we'll we'll have them next saturday but uh man what what a crazy crazy pay-per-view uh, we do have updated rankings. We'll, we'll talk about them uh, throughout the show as they become relevant. Uh, there's, I don't think there's any housekeeping, so we can get right into it. Uh, so let's, let's dive right into the main event. It was for the lightweight championship of the world between uh, Charles Oliveira and Dustin Poirier. Obviously, Oliveira coming out on top quite, li- quite literally. Uh, chokes out Dustin Poirier with a standing rear naked choke early on in round three and uh, I mean I told you so I told you so and I'm going to tell you I told you so that Oliveira is going to win because when we get to the co-main event I was I was dead wrong Um, so I'm going to I'm going to let you know that I was right on the main event Oliveira is too good he's too good man And, and exactly what I said in the preview is what took place uh, you know, I said you, you you have to pay respect to Poirier and say he's the better striker, but the but the the gap between their striking is closer than people realize, and the gap between their uh, grappling abilities is massive, and that's what happened. Oliveira, uh, he, he definitely took too many shots. He took like sixty headshots in, in round number one, so the defense has to get a little better. But you know, he held his own, took some big shots, landed some big shots. And, you know, when, when the fight went to the ground, he absolutely dominated. Uh, you know, Poirier was petrified. He, you know, he was, he was terrified on the ground, you know, just having that closed guard uh, and, and not letting him advance, uh, which I think was a smart move, you know, learning from the Khabib fight, learning better to lose a round than to lose a fight. But, you know, he, he, he was petrified of, of Oliveira on the ground, uh, and rightfully so. And, you know, took us back in round three. And you knew it was over when he took his back with fucking four and a half minutes to go. Uh, you're, you're not getting out of that one. So, you know, uh, it's it's what a, what a journey for Oliveira. And it's kind of funny because, you know, if you go back, go back to like early 2020. And there should have been a lightweight Grand Prix, but that's kind of another talking point for another day. But 
think about those four guys in the absence of Khabib. Think about the four guys that that everybody was talking about. Really, three. Uh, you have Conor McGregor. He's back. He knocked out uh, Cerrone. I mean, you know, Conor's going to win the lightweight title again. Or you maybe were on the side of Poirier. Look at his resume. Wow. I mean, Dustin Poirier this, Dustin Poirier that. And I'm not trying to take anything away from any of these guys I'm talking about, but it's just to prove a point. Uh, Michael Chandler comes to the UFC, knocks out Dan Hooker. Holy shit, Michael Chandler's the fucking greatest of all time. Three-time Bellator lightweight champion. Uh, you know, and, and everybody's talking about these three guys. But the one guy who stood the test of time was Charles Oliveira. You know, Dustin Dustin finished McGregor, finished him twice. Oh my God, Dustin Dustin's the greatest. Dustin's going to run through whoever is holding the belt. Uh, Oliveira himself dispatched of, of Michael Chandler. Still wasn't talked about as much as Poirier, even though he had the belt. Um... You know, and then he and then he takes care of, of of Poirier. So it's like everybody's always talking about these other guys in the division, but yet it's Oliveira who got to the top and is staying on top. And I understand, you know, he's only been he became champ this calendar year, so I'm not trying to make it seem like he's you know a longtime champion. But it's just you know, in in the in the GSP stock market of you know the lightweight division, it's like the you know what I mean. People keep talking about other fighters other than Charles Oliveira and yet this this is the guy who's on top so I think I think he'll have his respect now I mean he opened up as the favorite against Justin Gaethje but it's like even Islam Makachev probably got more shine than Oliveira and and yet this is the guy who's the toughest test and maybe he would have beat Khabib I don't know I'd probably still favor Khabib but we can't say for certain that Oliveira would lose to Khabib we can't say for certain the the opposite, but it's like, man, this, this guy's, <clears throat> excuse me, a fucking nightmare, a nightmare. And who 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 would you favor the best against Oliveira? Like if Oliveira fought Islam Makachev, I think he works over Islam. I think he does. I don't think Oliveira gives a flying fuck if you take him down and he's on his back. I think he'd be happy. I think he'd be happy. I think he's a better striker than uh, than Makachev, and he's faced you know far more difficult challenges than, than Islam. So it's like that that's that's probably a matchup that's going to happen in the future. And I love Oliveira's chances in that in that fight. Um, I, I said this on the preview, and it's still true that. Poirier is not going to be the toughest test for Oliveira. I thought it would be a close fight. It's obviously a major test, but it's not the toughest because the toughest is Justin Gaethje. What's next for Oliveira is going to be tougher than than Poirier because Poirier has been choked out before. Poirier can get taken down. Um, so we, we've seen that. But Justin Gaethje is the antithesis of Oliveira in many ways. Stylistically, it's a very bad matchup for Oliveira because you have a guy in Justin Gaethje who's insanely hard to finish, probably the hardest guy to finish in the UFC. Now, he has been finished in the UFC. Obviously, he got finished by Poirier, but that that was Justin 1.0. This is Justin 2.0. Justin is not um, as wild and as reckless as he was when he first came to the UFC. He's still wild and reckless, but not as much. So, Justin is... Uh, is very hard to finish. He hits a lot harder than Portier, who hits pretty hard himself. So there are things that Oliveira is going to have to clean up. If Oliveira fought like he fought in round number one against Justin Gaethje, he probably gets knocked out. That being said, I, I'd pick Oliveira to beat Gaethje because I think he'll make adjustments. That's what this entire rise has been for him, adjustments and improvements. But... If Justin Gaethje lands some of those big shots that Poirier was landing, if he lands 50 headshots in round number one, Oliveira is getting knocked the fuck out. There's no two ways about it. So he hits very hard. He's very hard to put away. He's going to use leg kicks, and his takedown defense is elite, and he's a great defensive wrestler. And that wasn't enough to stop Khabib, but but we don't... We we don't we don't know 
how good Oliveira is in relation to Khabib. Maybe he's just as good, and maybe the same result will happen uh, like when Justin fought Khabib. Maybe he just gets taken down and, and, and submitted. I mean, he, that, that has happened before, but I just think he has better takedown defense, good, good striking, um, and, and he, he hits really fucking hard. So I think that's going to be a tougher matchup than Poirier. You know, obviously it's the right matchup. I mean, it's it's the next fight to happen. If that doesn't happen, um, you know, it's something's something's wrong. You know, so that's that's what's next for Oliveira. I you know, hopefully he gets his respect now. I mean, without a shadow of a doubt, he's the best lightweight in that division. And uh, you know, I thought that before this fight, but. You know, when you when you beat a guy like Poirier, um, you know you you really you really gotta um, you know tip the cap to Charles Oliveira. Um, and and for Poirier, there you know I, I thought what he said in in the post fight was pretty pretty accurate. I mean, there's fun fights for him still at lightweight. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing him try to go up to welterweight. You know, he's a he's a big lightweight. Anytime you change divisions, all the bad is forgotten, but all the good is kept. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and, and we'll get to that with Cody. Or, but you know, we, but we we see this all the time. We see it with Weidman. A lot of times, changing div- divisions, as we'll get to later, doesn't fix core fundamental problems. It's just a, a blank slate. Um, but there's not there's not really core fundamental problems with Poirier. He's a great fighter, so giving him a blank slate. And, and erasing the history and 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 all of that, you know, I, I think that could be welcomed. Welcomed, you know. I don't doubt that Poirier could work his way back to a, a title shot, but it's just you lose twice in a, in, in a title fight. It's it's pretty hard to get amped up to see uh, you know it happen a third time. Be it, be it against Oliveira in a rematch, or you know, if maybe if Oliveira loses, I mean, is there an appetite? You know, like if if Islam becomes the champ and, and Poirier wins a couple of fights, do we really want to see Poirier fight another dominant grappler? I mean, we know exactly what's going to happen. I mean, the dude's going to get choked out. So, you know, just I, I would look for money fights if I was Poirier, which he has certainly earned at this point. Not, I, I would probably do McGregor part four. I mean, you beat him fucking twice. You beat him twice in the last year. You know you're going to beat him a third time. You might as well get paid good money uh, for, for an easy win, which, you know, is, is what would happen. So, you know, I, I would look for, for money fights. All right, moving on to the co-main event, one of the uh, greatest performances in UFC history, Juliana Pena choking out Amanda Nunes in round two. Um, that is the biggest upset in UFC history. That is the biggest upset in UFC history. I feel fairly confident in saying that. Um, maybe Matt Sarah beating GSP was was a bigger upset, but it's certainly a bigger upset. Obviously, the the, the big comparison was Holly Holm um, knocking out Ronda Rousey. I think it's a I think it's a far bigger upset than that. Um, obviously not when it comes to the betting odds because you'll, you'll never, never find odds as crazy as, as those again. You know, sports books are smart. They don't they do not do crazy odds like that anymore. You know, or like when, like the EPL or whatever, when Leicester City won, how they were like fucking 10,000 to one. Like you'll never, you'll never see odds as crazy as, as that before. So, you know, these, these sports books learn. Um... But it was the biggest upset of all time. Uh, and so I, I just want to give some context when comparing it to, to Rousey and Holm because Ronda Rousey was undefeated, but she was 12-0. and She had had 12 professional MMA fights when she stepped into the cage against Holly Holm that night in Australia. Amanda Nunes was on a 12-fight UFC winning streak, so I think there's a pretty there's there's a di- there's a pretty big difference in f- in favor of Amanda. 12 total fights in your career versus a 12-fight winning streak in the promotion. Nunes was the double champ, and Holly Holm. I, I'm not trying to make it seem like it wasn't a huge upset, but Holly Holm was undefeated, a world champion boxer. 
So, you know, and I, I get, you know, Betchko Hale was undefeated when she fought uh, Ronda Rousey. But, you know, it's not it's not like Holly Holm, you know, was some bum. I mean, she, she was undefeated. Whereas Juliana Pena, um, not, not a tremendously active fighter. I think she's had four fights in the last three years, uh, three or four years, actually. And she's split those four fights. She's two and two in her last four. Uh, and, and they're quote unquote good losses, you know, to Jermaine Durandamy and Valentina Shevchenko. But she's, she's two and two in her last four, and she got this title shot off of a one fight winning streak against the 65 year old Sarah McMahon. So nobody, nobody thought Juliana Pena was was this good, and I certainly said Amanda Nunes was was gonna knock her out early. I mean, I didn't think she stood a chance, so I, I was certainly wrong about it. But uh, I'm I'm happy to see it. I'm very happy to see it. Uh, I did say this on the preview, and it's still true. This is the best possible outcome for women's MMA is Amanda Nunes losing. Amanda Nunes ne- needed to lose. Amanda Amanda Nunes has I don't want to say she's the quote because that's the dumbest, grossest, sickening term I've ever heard. She's the greatest female of all time. Anybody who says quote should be fucking kicked in the head repeatedly. That's such a disgusting term. Ugh. But she's the greatest female of all time. Her resume is unmatched. It's insane what she's done in the sport. And yet nobody gives a fuck. Nobody cares about Amanda Nunes. I care about Amanda Nunes. Yeah, no, you don't. Nobody cares about Amanda Nunes. She is. She headlined a UFC pay-per-view. UFC 224. She headlined a UFC pay-per-view filled to the brim with Brazilian legends in her home country of Brazil, and nobody gave a fuck. That's the worst-selling pay-per-view in, in the era of the UFC 200s. And you'd probably have to go pretty far back into the 100s to, to find a worse-selling pay-per-view. Um, nerds and contrarians uh, and people who think it's mean to tell the truth will say that people care about Amanda Nunes. Objectively, that is not true. Point to any metric that, that shows that Amanda Nunes is a star. It's, it's kind of funny to call her a star because her resume is amazing. Resume-wise, she's a star. But... Caring wise, could not be less of a star. Nobody cares about her. She doesn't speak great English, which what you don't have to speak great English to be a, a star. But I'm just when we're when we're talking about everything, whether it's fair or unfair, she doesn't speak great English. She does no media, does no interviews, except for mandatory stuff the week of the fight. Um, and and like Juliana Pena talking about how. Uh, the, the UFC wanted to do the ultimate fighter with Nunez and Pena. And Nunez said no. That's why you're not a star. That's why nobody cares about you. Hey, we have this thing called the ultimate fighter. It, it's a, a true and tried uh, method for, for letting the audience, who cares, know about your personality. I mean, wow, think about the ultimate fighter. We've had like almost 30 seasons and and the the seasons are for the most part wildly successful and it's an amazing opportunity for people to get to know you better i mean think about the personalities and the stars that were created from the ultimate fighter from the fighters itself to the coaches i mean wow what a wacky guy michael bisping is wow uh, jason mayhem miller I, I really felt like i knew him when i watched that season because you, you, you get to see the lighter side of them. You get to see their personality. It really, uh, you know, creates goodwill and, 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 and um, you know, really kind of personalizes you. I mean, Brock Lesnar, we got to, we got to see his personality. I mean, you, you could say it for every single, every single coach. And Amanda's just sitting there not being a star, having nobody give a shit about her, nobody spends a dollar on her, and just goes, yeah, I don't need that. No, I'm good. I don't want people to see my personality. I don't want to grow in this sport. I don't want people to care about me. I don't want to do the ultimate fighter. What a what a what a what an absolute waste. Amanda Nunez's entire career promotionally has been a, a complete waste because and I and I'm 
I'm again. I'm I'm just saying it as a fact. I'm saying it to be true. I'm not saying it to be mean because it because in fact, uh, I think it's a, it's the biggest travesty in MMA promotion that Amanda Nunes is not a bigger star than Ronda Rousey. Amanda Nunes is a tenth a tenth of the star Ronda Rousey was in her prime, if that. And again, I'm not saying any of this to be mean. I'm saying it to be like there's a huge disconnect here like this is concerning this is really bad that you could achieve what she has achieved and just nobody cares nobody cares so that's that's why i say it is tremendous it is awesome it's the biggest blessing of all time in in mma promotion that she lost because now you have a champion juliana pena who is not a star but maybe she can be but maybe she can be. Speaks good English, you know, is, is easy is easy on the eyes, which matters. I'm not saying that should or shouldn't. I'm just saying that's reality, you know, that, that matters to other people. Um, is, is well-spoken, does interviews, want, wants, wants to be promoted, wants to do the ultimate fighter. Uh, you know what I mean? And, and now there's parody. Now, now, now there's parody in the division. Now Amanda Nunez is not invincible. Now there's a new champ. Now all these, you know, there's so many different matchups we can do now. Shevchenko can come up to, to 135. I mean, it, it really opens the door to do things, you know, for a lot of people in that division. So, you know, it's, it's the best thing to happen. I mean, you know, Amanda Nunez has the personality of a wet newspaper absolutely nobody cares about her tremendous fight tremendous fighter who should have more uh she should have more star power i want her to have more star power she'd have a whole lot more money in the bank but it's not because the ufc fails to promote her it's because she just doesn't care about promotion and is, is not a very likable person um at least that's that's the perception i don't doubt that she's an awesome person to hang out with or or you know is 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 funny but we don't get to see this side of her and that's entirely her choice so you know this this was absolutely awesome um and and i love it too because the the win itself x's and o's wise um i would favor juliana pena in the rematch which by all accounts is going to happen i would favor pena in the rematch because it was a clean win Amanda Nunes didn't lose that fight. Juliana Pena won that fight. It was a clean win. Amanda Nunes did not step on a banana peel and fucking blow out both of her knees. And Pena won because of freak because of a freak injury. It wasn't Pena uh, knocking Nunes out with a lucky shot eight seconds into the fight. It was Juliana Pena wanting it more than Nunes, walking her down, uh, striking her up knocking her to the ground, taking her down, and choking her out. It, it was as clean of a, of a victory as you, as you possibly can get. It was pure skill. It was pure determination. And, and, and there's there was nothing fluky about it. There's nothing fluky about it. Juliana Pena is better than Amanda Nunes. At, at least for that night. You could favor Nunes in the rematch, and I wouldn't necessarily disagree with you, but like I said, I, I'd be going with Pena. But you, you can't take anything away. There's nothing you can say, like, oh, she wasn't motivated or whatever. I mean, there's nothing you can say to, that, that takes away from Pena or softens the loss for Nunes. It, it straight up was Juliana Pena just being a better fighter, wanting it more, and, and just walking her down and beating her at her own game. I mean, just a tremendous victory. The, the, the best possible victory. Nothing crazy about it. It, it, it wasn't Brent Primus landing a leg kick on Michael Chandler and Michael Chandler's leg blowing up and motherfucking Brent Primus becoming the fucking Bellator lightweight champion. It, it's as clean and as uncontroversial as you possibly could get, and uh, you got to feel happy for uh, the Venezuela- Venezuelan vixen. All right, I think I've made my... my <laughs> My point's pretty clear on uh, on that co-main event, so we'll move to the featured main. Uh, we had a split decision win for Jeff Neal over Santiago Ponzinibbio. Um, yeah, I don't I don't really have a whole lot to say on that fight. It was it was an okay fight. It was a good fight. I mean, they were throwing back and forth. Neal hurt Santiago. Santiago hurt hurt Neal at times. Um, 
I, I disagree with the decision. I, I thought I thought I had the the fight two two rounds to three for Santiago. Uh, I'm not gonna die on that hill, but I don't, I don't think Jeff Neal did enough to win. So I'm just not um, uh, crazy impressed uh, by by the fight. I think it's ridiculous that somebody scored that fight 30-27 for Jeff Neal. That is crack smokery at its finest. I don't like that is ridiculous. Uh, I, I understand. I've made this point um, a lot on the show because people seem to forget it. You score a fight round by round, but Santiago outstruck him uh, in total strikes and significant strikes. Throw in the takedown he landed. He had more control time, even though the control time was was minimal in the fight. And he worked the body and the legs better. I mean, he landed 17 of 17 leg kicks. I mean, Jeff Neal didn't check a single motherfucking kick. So, you know, I, I just... Holy shit, I don't know if you could hear that. That was so loud. Um, <laughs> thank you, NordVPN. Uh, pay me money. But, um, yeah, I just, you know, it, it's kind of hard to compliment somebody when they lost the fight. But... Uh, you know, good for Jeff Neal. I mean, it gets him off the schneid. He had a uh, he had a two fight losing streak. We moved him up one spot in the rankings from 12 to 11, so he's now one spot ahead of uh, Hamzat Jemayev. And for Ponzinibbio, I mean, that sucks. He's lost two of his last three. You know, he certainly legitimately lost to uh, Li Jianling because he got knocked out. But man, I, I really thought he won. And and you know, with, with a win, I thought something pretty big would would be coming up next for Santiago Ponzinibbio because he's kind of been the dark horse of of that division for for quite some time but um yeah just unfortunate unfortunate judging maybe i could very quickly pull up mma decisions uh because I, I would like to see how the uh esteemed uh members of the media scored that uh that fight because it, you know it, it, it was close so you know i'm kind of curious to see but yeah, i had it for ponzinibbio um, two crack smokers scored it 30-27 for Neil. Looks like the, the, the majority of people, like eight people, scored it for uh, Neil 29-28, and we had three uh, people score it, four people score it 29-28 um, for Ponzinibbio. So, okay, maybe, maybe I'm wrong on that one. I, I, don't know, I don't know how to properly score a fight. I don't think anybody knows how to properly score a fight. Um, but I thought, I thought Santiago had won that fight. But, you know is what it is as uh maxi baby would say all right moving on still on the main card we had kai kara france france kai kara france kkf as i've seen him uh called on twitter uh knocking out cody garbrandt cody no chin garbrandt uh midway through round number one i mean We'll start with Kai Kara France because he won the fight, but it's it's really hard to start with him and not Cody. But for for Kai Kara France, what a great outcome! I mean, that really kind of puts him next in line for a title. Um, even though he probably shouldn't fight for the title, I mean, it, it's about names, and there's no names. There there really are no names in in the flyweight division. Manel Cop is a little bit of a name. Uh, Davison's a name because he was the champion. Moreno's a name because he's a champ. But, you know, you, there's, there's no names to be beaten at flyweight. So if you can beat one, uh, which he did, I think that puts you ahead of guys like Pantoja or Askarov or, or Perez because all they can do is win fights, which it sounds kind of crazy because, you know, that's obviously how you get a title shot. But it's like, okay, if Alex Perez beats Brandon Royval and Bontarine and Schnell and, and, and Nicolau all in a row. Do we give him a title shot? I don't know. Does anybody want to see him fight for the title? He 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 hasn't beaten a name. But in fairness, there are no names in that division. So it's like, you know, I think Askarov should be next in line to fight for a title. Will he be next in line? Probably not. Probably not. I would love to see Pantoja fight Moreno. He's beaten him twice. I'd love to see a trilogy fight. You, you never see that happen where the, the champ has two losses to someone who's not the champion because you're the champ. Like, I, I, I would love to see Pantoja fight him. I think that's interesting. Maybe he's figured out something that other people haven't. Will he be next in line to fight for the title, assuming Moreno uh, defeats Figueredo, which is a bold assumption in my mind? I don't know. I, I don't know. So if you're Kai Kara France, you know, he's got, he's got knockout power. You know, he's got a couple of losses in the UFC. 
Uh, but, you know, a two-fight winning streak, two-fight knockout streak, and a win over a former bantamweight champ. Yeah, he, he could easily... I don't want to say cut the line because he's put in the work, but, you know, things are things are looking pretty good for uh, the Kiwi, if, if, if you ask me. And then for, for Cody No Love, I mean, this is kind of what I was talking about in, in the preview. Um, switching divisions doesn't fix anything schematically. It doesn't fix any of the core problems that you that you have. It's just a it's just a fresh slate. So like all the problems Cody Garbrandt has had with pacing, whether whether or not he wanted to push the fight too quickly and get and got knocked out, or whether or not he wanted to be too patient and and just get beat up by you know a guy like Rob Font, none of that is fixed by going up or down or staying the same uh, weight. It, it, it's just you wipe the easel clean and just hope it works out better, but you didn't actually fix anything. So I think that's kind of what we saw. He didn't he didn't fix a damn thing. His defense is still not good, and he still has absolutely no chin, and his chin was diminished because, uh, you know, you cut down to 125. He looked like he was on death's door, even if he said he felt fine. Uh, you have less water in, in the fucking lining of your brain. Uh, you know what I mean? It's going to be easier to stun you. It's going to be easier to knock you out. I mean, you, you need water in your body. You need you need water fucking lining your brain so it, it is something to slosh around in. You know, to put it to put it in layman's terms. I mean, of course, I don't fucking understand all the science or whatever. But you know, if you're de- if you're severely dehydrated and you go down to 125 and you're fucking five foot nine, you know, this is not a great combination. Especially doing it age it at age 30. But whatever. So it, it you didn't you didn't fix anything X's and O's. So I'm not exactly surprised. Obviously, I, I picked Cody Garbrandt to win. Uh, which I, I kind of admitted on the preview was a bit of a wishful thinking, um, but I, I will stand by the, the the fact that I am wrong and I, I did pick incorrectly. But you know, it's like yeah, we knew this was a, we knew this was a, a possibility, and it's like you're getting knocked out by flyweights. This is not good. You know, I kind of compared on Twitter his demise to to that of like Chuck Liddell. Like it's just it's remarkable. I mean, this dude has lost five of his last six fights since since winning the belt. Um, in, in 2016, I mean, this is a one of the worst declines we've ever seen. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, and he's been knocked out in four of those five losses. I mean, this dude's busted. I mean, he probably should retire. I'm not even kidding. I mean, this dude has been, you know, it's been known for a long time, even before the first TJ loss, that he's suffered concussions. I mean, this dude's brain is going to be fucking scrambled eggs. I mean, this this guy's probably got CTE already. And, and, and it's like, where, where do you even go from here? Do you stay at flyweight? I don't want to see him fight at flyweight again. Do, do you stay at flyweight and, and just match him up with fucking pillow hands Matt Schnell or, or, or pillow hands Tim Elliott? Like, I don't know what you do. Do you go back up to bantamweight? I don't want to see him fight at bantamweight. He's going to get fucking put into a coma. So it, it's, it's terrible. You hate to see it. I mean, I'm not, I'm not exactly reveling in the fact that this dude you know, is getting knocked out, but it's like, man, I like, I don't know, man. It's, it's real. it's time to consider, you know, I, I really hope he's used his platform to set him up, uh, to set his career up like post fighting. Like, I, I really hope that like, that's something he's very strongly considering while he still has some sort of clout. Um, because fighting is, is clearly not for him at, at, at this point. And it, it sucks to, to kind of say that um, it also kind of sucks to admit Cody Garbrandt was never that good of a fighter I don't know if anybody has ever said that but I think we have a, a big enough sample size Cody Garbrandt was never that good of a fighter and I'm just going to say that and, and let that sit for a little bit because it's true he had so let's go through the career of Cody Garbrandt he comes to the UFC 4-0. So he doesn't have an extensive professional, regional uh, MMA experience. I don't know about his amateurs. Maybe he had a bunch. Maybe he didn't. Whatever. Comes to the UFC 4-0. He, no- he gets an, uh, a knockout of Marcus Brimage. Nobody. Okay. He's the minus 
1,000 favorite against Henry Briones and gets a unanimous decision win. He then gets a first-round knockout of 5-0 Augusto Mendez. He gets somehow gets a main event against Thomas Almeida and knocks him out in round one. We obviously know Thomas Almeida is not good. Um, he was 21-0 at the time. Dude, he, 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 was like, he came over like 19-0 from the regionals. So Thomas Almeida is a Brazilian can crusher at, at the D-level uh, MMA, and, and Cody beat him. He then knocks out Takeo Mitsugaki, who had lost two of his last three fights at that point, and gets a title shot. So he gets a title shot being a 9-0 fighter, having fought fucking nobody. Nobody. He beat nobody. He, he had one of the easiest and quickest and softest rises to a title ever, basically because he's the protege of uh, Uriah Faber, and you could kind of sell a storyline you know, between Dominic Cruz and Team Alpha Male and obviously all the success he's had against uh, that gym in particular. So he beat nobody. Mitsugaki might have been ranked, and maybe even Almeida might have been ranked, but those, those Mitsugaki's not good. He's not good, especially at that point in his career. And Almeida had beaten fucking absolutely nobody, so it's like super easy rise to the title. Now you're gonna be you're gonna wonder about the Dominic Cruz fight. That is one of the best performances ever in a title fight, and nobody can ever take anything away from Cody Garbrandt. And I am not gonna take away anything from Cody Garbrandt. That's one of the best performances ever in a title fight. So I will give him that credit, of course. But look at what's happened since then. He got knocked out twice by TJ Dillashaw. He got knocked out by Pedro Munoz. He had a rebound win against Rafael Asuncao, a great knockout, but a rebound win against like a 35 or 36-year-old Rafael Asuncao who was on a pretty moderate losing streak at that point in his career. Clearly on the clearly not not on he's he was clearly on the back nine of the back nine. And then he gets completely dominated by Rob Font and now knocked out at flyweight by Kai Kara France. Tell me when he was good. The Dominic Cruz fight? Yeah. Th- this is a guy who got so, so lucky, so lucky with matchmaking, had one of the greatest... He, he's, he's a one-hit wonder. He, he, and and, and I, don't, I don't want to diminish a one-hit wonder because that's kind of the irony of you know calling a band a one-hit wonder or whatever. You know, you had one hit, which is more than a lot of musicians ever have. Hey, Cody Garbrandt had one legendary performance in, in a title fight. That's one more than fucking most people who could fog a mirror. But he, he had that, that's that's Cody Garbrandt, a guy who had a very easy easy path to the title and had one legendary fight, and that's it. He never was good. He never was good except for that one night at the end of 2016 where he beat Dominic Cruz. So look at his, and again, further to illustrate this point, he's had seven big-time fights in his career, right? His last seven. He's two and five in his last seven. He's had seven big fights. Kai, Font, Asuncao, Munoz, Delashaw twice, and Cruz, two and five. That's that's Cody Garbrandt. Um, you know what I mean? It's, it's a guy who has... A powerful right hand, barely has a left hook, no defense, and if he's aggressive enough against bad fighters, he can knock you out. So, you know, I don't think I've ever heard anybody put it that type of way. And again, I don't want to take anything away from his performance against Dom Cruz. That is legendary. But outside of that, this guy has done nothing. And he's, he's just not a good fighter. So, so waiting on him to have a comeback, waiting on him to rebound... This dude's probably going to be retired, and if he comes back, I, I, unless they put him up against a fucking UFC newcomer or something, like, I'm not going to favor him if he comes back. Like, if he comes back to the fucking bantamweight division and fights Cody Stamen, I'm going to favor Cody Stamen. Like, there's no bantamweight I, I wouldn't favor uh, in the rankings. I wouldn't, and probably some outside of the rankings, that I wouldn't favor him against. I mean, you could, you could sacrifice him to Sean O'Malley. I mean, Sean O'Malley might kill him. That might be the first death in the UFC if we have Sean O'Malley fight Cody Garbrandt. I mean, he would—he won't even work him over. He'd just—it'd be like—it'd be like Rumble Johnson. He'd just fucking knock him out in 12 seconds. So, you know, I'd like to see him retire and just do 
do whatever makes them happy. I mean, you've earned you earned some money. I mean, use your clout, and hopefully he saved that money because I don't think he's gonna make a whole lot more in in, in professional MMA. But you know, do what you want to do. Do you want to be a coach? Do you want to be a commentator? Do you want to have a radio show? Do you want to get into fucking trading stocks? Like, you know what I mean? It's it's obviously his choice to keep fighting, and if he wants to keep accumulating fucking severe brain damage and have you know a Chris Benoit brain, then that's his prerogative. I'm never gonna tell somebody to stop, or or, or you know what I mean? Like, I could tell somebody to stop, but I don't. Ha- I'm not his fucking mom. I don't have the authority, or and I'm not a commission. I can't stop him. I could suggest that hey, your your path to a title. At, at any weight class is going to be fucking a million miles away and you know you're you're kind of not that good but you know what I mean well I, I kind of am curious to see what he does next I don't I have no idea where he goes from here and uh but but no outcome would would surprise me all right I think I think I've made my point pretty clear on that one as well I have a lot of strong opinions on this uh on this fight card um we can move on to the main card opener, Sean O'Malley knocking out Holly and Piva in round one. Just a good performance from from Sean O'Malley, you know, a really good performance. I, you know, and and I don't think Piva had a a bad game plan. I like that he pressured him. I mean, we saw Mutinho, if you want to call it, have a little bit of success against O'Malley by by moving forward. But O'Malley's so good. He's so long. I mean, to be 5'11 at bantamweight is is ridiculous. And and he's a sniper. He picks his shots. He doesn't force anything. And, uh, you know, he, he's, he's just a problem. He's a problem. Piva's probably his toughest test that he's won. Um, but I, I, I get the gimmick of being like the unranked champ. And I understand what Kevin Lee was talking about, how, you know, you really want to cherry pick your fights and, and shit like that. But Sean O'Malley's way too talented to cherry pick his fights this much. Um, be it him or if it's the UFC trying to protect him and, and just, you know, stash him on pay-per-views and make a lot of money by knocking out unranked guys. I, I, I really want to see, you know, I know Malley rubs me the wrong way. I think he's a dumb guy, but I understand his gimmick. Um, but, like, I, I, re- I really want to see if he's champ. I don't want to wait until 2023 to figure out how good he is. You know, the, he's 27, he's in, he's in his prime, yeah, I, you know. We could expedite a title shot for him, but I, but I want to see him take that next step. You know, whether it's against Dominic Cruz or whether whether it's Pedro Munoz or Marab or or Rob Font or something. Like, I really want to see him tested. You know, and if he, if he loses, he loses. This is not this is not boxing where if you lose one fight, your career's over. You know what I mean? Like Chael Sonnen says all the time. Look at the biggest stars in the sport. All all three of them are on two fight losing streaks. Connor is on a losing streak. Jorge Masvidal is on a losing streak. Uh, Nate Diaz is on a losing streak. Nobody really cares. I mean, it would be better if they were on winning streaks, but but this isn't this isn't boxing. So you know, if if Sean O'Malley, we'd commend him. If Sean O'Malley goes out there against Marab in a, in a very tough fight and, and loses, nobody, I mean, fucking dummies, will be like, haha, you lost. But you know, you go out there and, and you give it your best, and, and you fight somebody who who's ranked higher, and you lose. It's it's not the end of the world. He's still gonna make money. He's still a big star. Wins and losses mean a lot less uh, in 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 this sport. Context matters a lot more a lot more in this sport, and and, and the context is O'Malley's fighting. I don't want to say nobody's, but you know he's not fighting these these top guys, and very clearly he's uh, he's he's better than what they're putting him up against so you know whether it's i mean we moved we moved him from unranked to 12 uh because the 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 guys in that area are not exactly you know so like he's ahead of song yudong cody stamen adrian yanez obviously you can check out these ranks at northstarsports.media but you know 10 through 15 it's a very deep division we should rank it through 25 and uh you know, O'Malley needs a tougher test. Fuck Marlon Vera. Why not rematch with Marlon Vera? You know, let's let's do something. But I I don't want to just have him beat ten people in a row 
and, and you know act like that's impressive like I really want to see how far we can we can push it with O'Malley all right moving on to the prelims we had the headliner uh on the uh the, the big boy prelims it was Josh Emmett winning unanimous decision against Dan Ige uh, another close fight. I would like to pull up uh, and consult MMA decisions on this one. Um, I, I probably thought Josh Emmett won, even though I'm a big fan of Dan Ige. Um, it looks like it was pretty split. We had about half going for Ige, 29-28, half going 29-28 for Emmett. Uh, I probably thought Emmett won because he landed the bigger punches, but it's it's hard to score it for Emmett, and to be honest... He's a very frustrating fighter to watch in his current form. I think he's very, very good. Uh, he did get outstruck by by nine nine strikes, and uh, Ige did land a takedown for for what it's worth. Um, you certainly could not say Josh Emmett won all three rounds, like one judge said. That's fucking crazy. Um, but he, he falls in love with his power. That's all he is. He dude. He he fights. If I use Tyron Woodley in UFC 4, he fights exactly like that. He just wants to land the big overhand right. That's all Josh Emmett wants to do, which is, he's not a bad striker, and he's got a wrestling base, but it's, man, he's so fucking boring to watch at times, because it's so predictable. I mean, gee, how many overhand rights did he try to land? And he probably, he landed like three. So, I don't know, he's gonna get, if he fights like that, He's going to get fucking exposed if he ever fights Yair or Max or maybe even Calvin Cater. I mean, it's so predictable. Which, again, is a shame because I know he's capable of so much more. But he got the win, which is important because he's 36, coming off of an 18-month layoff. You know, this dude is running out of time fast to, to fight for a title. And, you know, if, if, he, if he lost here... You know, I'm, I'm not going to say, never say never, never say, you know, uh, uh, but, but it probably might have been the end. I mean, the, the path to getting to where you want to go would have been a lot tougher, but you win here, presumably, you know, you're healthy and, and, and you can fight somebody above you in the rankings. He's going to have a tough time above him in the rankings because we know people, you know, in the featherweight top five don't exactly like to fight often and they don't exactly like to fight people below them. Uh, you know they're they're very they're a very sedentary bunch, save for uh, Max Holloway. But you know, maybe maybe you fight Brian Ortega, maybe you fight Chan Sung Jung, and you know we have Josh Emmett at number four, uh, moving up from number six. So you know he, he's he's probably he's probably one good win away from uh, fighting for a title. One one good win away, two bad wins away. Um. Or he never fights for the title. You never fucking know in this sport. But uh, it, was, it was a winning performance. And for Dan Ige, I mean, uh, Dan Ige reminds me so much of Pedro Munoz. Just a guy, a guy who's 100% effort, very likable, well-rounded guy, good power, but just not as talented as other people. And, and that's why he loses fights. That's why he lost to Cater. That's why he lost to Chan Sung Jung. That's why he lost to Josh, Josh Emmett. He, he makes fighting look hard and he's he, and he's a good fighter and it's weird it's it's weird of me to say that but there's just certain guys that make fighting look really really hard and I I, I think Dan Ige's probably found his ceiling and I think Pedro Munoz has probably found his ceiling they're just guys that they could they can try really hard but they're just not talented enough to to get past a certain level you know what I mean speaking of Pedro Munoz uh, the fight before that we had uh, Dominic Cruz vintage Dominic Cruz winning a decision over Pedro uh, the young Punisher Munoz tremendous fight fight of the night in in my opinion Uh, that first round was interesting Munoz uh, cracked him uh, cracked him again along the the, the cage and and the fight went to the ground and and Dom just kind of rested for a little bit uh, Dom looked good in that first round, except for the part where he almost got knocked the fuck out, which is crazy to say. I, I would say Dom Cruz won. He probably won four minutes of that first round. He, he won before the knockdown and, and after the knockdown, but he, he, he looked really good except for that part where he didn't. 
and then obviously turned it on in round two and round three and just put on a fucking clinic. Pedro Munoz had no response. <clears throat> Excuse me. He had no response. Dom was landing long combinations, and, and Munoz tried to, to counter strike, and just he couldn't land a single fucking pun, punch on any of these counter strikes. Um, yeah, it was it was not a good night for Pedro Munoz in rounds two and rounds three, and that's what I'm talking about. Where Pedro Munoz never gave up. He has great effort, good power, stunned Dom. He's well rounded. Uh, you know, he's a BJJ black belt, I believe. But it's just, you, that can only take you so far. That can only take you so far. If, if, you're a, if you're a B minus in every single aspect of the game, it, it, it's only going to take you so far because you're going to run up, you're, you're, you're going to run into someone like Dominic Cruz who has A plus footwork and A plus defense and A minus striking. And it's just not going to be enough. You know what I mean? F being a B minus and having a shit ton of effort will get you into the rankings. You will you will beat some people. You'll even beat some great fighters on some bad nights. But you, you only you only can go so far. You know what I mean? It, it's like Pedro Munoz. Pedro Munoz is is like you're you're playing you're playing NCAA 14, and and your Air Force. You know what I mean? Like. Yeah, you can build Air Force into a pretty good school, but, you know, when, when you go up against fucking uh, Texas and Auburn, you know, your two-star fucking offensive line is, is not going to hold up. You know what I mean? It's like, at a certain point, at a certain point, you can't really compete. It's like trying to win a national championship with the Gophers in that game, and, and you have a fucking 74 overall ranked team, and, and you're going up against a fucking... 96 overall Notre Dame like it's just you, you, you can only get so far you could probably beat up on Purdue and Indiana and, and Michigan State but you know you only can get so far and that's kind of that's kind of Pedro Munoz in, in my opinion I still love him and he's he's one of the nicest motherfuckers of all time but I'm just being honest that's that's how I feel about Pedro Munoz uh, and for Dom fucking amazing performance this dude still has it and He's got a big name. He's a legend, so he'll get something big in his next fight. I think this was his kind of fight to stay relevant against a guy who who was ranked ahead of him. So you know, it is kind of a blessing that you get to fight someone ranked ahead of you in in the rankings because that's not always a given. But I would I would love, and I think this is the correct move. Let's have him fight Jose Aldo. Jose Aldo. Um, is not going to fight for a title anytime soon because he just fought for the title and, and just lost. So he's not going to fight anytime soon. Let's have a legacy fight. Let's, you know what I mean? We, we, because Bantamweight is so stacked and so full of hungry, young, blue chip prospects and old, relev- still relevant, but old legends, let's be very particular with our matchmaking. We don't have to, we don't have to make Dominic Cruz fight Marab Davalishvili. You know what I mean? We can, we can, we can kind of share. You know, until we get to a high enough point where we're talking about like number one versus number two and things like that, we can cherry pick. Uh, and cherry pick may, maybe has a bad connotation, but we can be very deliberate with our matchmaking. Two absolute legends of the legends of the sport. Uh, you know, at, at at an older age, still relevant, WEC legends, UFC legends. I, I I need to see that fight happen. It it's kind of I I, I don't want to sit here five years from now when Dominic Cruz is retired and when Jose Aldo is retired. I don't want to sit here five years from now and look back and go, we had the greatest bantamweight of all time and one of the greatest featherweights of all time. Two two of the absolute legends of the lighter uh, weight classes in the same division at the same time and we didn't have them fight. I don't want that to happen. I honestly kind of view it similar to Anderson Silva and GSP. How GSP was so dominant in the welterweight division. Anderson is a legend, uh, the greatest middleweight of all time. And everybody always talked about a super fight between those two happening. That's that's Dominic Cruz is the fucking GSP of the of the bantamweight division. Jose Aldo is the Anderson Silva of the featherweight division. Obviously they're not 
neither of them are champions. They're not still on top technically, but they're both still in their prime. You know, let's let's have that fight happen. Let, let's put that as a co-main on a pay-per-view. Let's make it five rounds because that's not a fight I want to see over three. I want to see that over five. And it'd be fucking massive, a huge legacy fight. That would get Dominic Cruz out of bed. That would get Jose Aldo out of bed. Jose doesn't have a problem fighting people ranked lower than him. Dominic Cruz wants to fight uh, people ranked ahead of him. Here's a fucking legend. So I, I, I would love to see that. I need to see that. Honestly, if I could... I'm not even fucking kidding. If I could pick one fight, w- one fight to happen in 2022, it would be Dominic Cruz and Jose Aldo over everything else. That's the one fight I want to see. So uh, I think good things, good things will come to Dominic Cruz, who uh, finally is healthy and uh, back to winning. All right, moving on. We had a round two knockout early in round two from Ty Bam Bam Shuivasa on uh, Augusto Sakai. Uh, yeah, that's it's kind of what I said would happen. Yeah, you got two fighters trending in different directions, and the trend continues. Augusto Sakai, I never really understood it. I, ne- I never really understood Augusto Sakai. I, I, I never really thought he was that good. Um, he, he was good when he wasn't fighting in big spots, but, you know, watching him in his two main events against uh, Rosenstrike and, uh, and Overeem, or actually, was that a main event? Yeah, that was. His two main events, you know, brutally knocked out, you know, and dominated. You know, I'm, uh, he's a young guy, and maybe he'll figure it out, but I don't I don't know what he brings. Everybody at heavyweight has power, and I don't really think he's that good of a striker. And, uh, you know, Bam Bam just knocked him the fuck out. And now that's three brutal KO losses in the last uh, 15 months for Augusto Sakai, so that's probably not good for the old noggin, probably not good for the old skull, and, uh, you know, tied to Ivasa, I, I don't think he should have been cut from the UFC the first time, to be honest with you, I thought there was probably a little more juice you could squeeze out of him, but he's making the most out of this second tenure in the UFC, that's four straight wins, all by knockout, uh, the first three were by, by first round knockout, and, uh, He's figured something out, and, and, you know, he's only 28. You know, on, on that first rise, when he when he rose all the way up to fighting uh, JDS, he was only like 26, dude, and, and a lot of heavyweights don't even get signed to the UFC until they're 30. So, like, in, in, a, in a division where you can fight until you're, realistically, you can fight until you're fucking 41, 42, 43... You know, maybe we maybe we were a little premature on on Tai Tuivasa. I mean, the, this kid's got a lengthy career ahead of him, and and he's I don't know what he's figured out, but he's figured out something. Maybe he's becoming less of a street brawler. Maybe it's maybe it's the technique. Maybe it's the working with Daniel Cormier and AKA, and you know, working on his clinch and and, and you know the ground game and stuff like that. But something is different with with Tai, and he he looks better than ever. So I'm excited for, for what's next with him because we, we moved him pretty high up in the division, to be honest. I mean, because he's winning a bunch of fights. We have him at number 10. We moved him from 14 to 10. So you look at you, you look realistically what's next for him. I mean, you got like Marcin Tabora. Maybe you put him up against Jairzinho Rosenstrike. I would, I would love to see a main event quarter early quarter two fight night main event let's go Jairzinho and, and Tai Tuivasa uh, that, that seems like a great fight uh for for both sides you know Jairzinho tries to get back uh you know to to a win and and Tai takes a big step up probably probably you know Jairzinho is probably the toughest fight he, he would ever have I mean JDS was kind of up there uh when when they fought but um yeah J- JDS would have been tougher but you know, it's that's a logical step up. All right, moving on. Uh, I believe to the, this was the early prelim headliner. I want to say we had uh, Bruno Silva knocking out Jordan Wright. Uh, I'll try to go kind of quickly through some of these, uh, even though there's a lot to talk about on on some of them. Um, but I feel like we're running out of time here. 
yeah, a, good, a good result for, for Bruno Silva. Jordan Wright just got a little too uh, over-anxious and, and tried to force the fight a little bit too much. He did have, you know, his two wins in the UFC prior to this were quick knockouts, uh, you know, but they were they were against far lesser fighters than Bruno Silva. So you know, I don't blame him for, you know, trying to get back to a quick knockout, but clearly didn't work for him. And, and uh, Bruno Silva... Uh, very interesting middleweight prospect to look out for, and, and, and he has good striking. And speaking of a very interesting young Brazilian prospect who's the opposite of Bruno Silva, has really good grappling, Andre Muniz. Uh, I'm a believer. I'm a believer now. I wasn't really a believer before. I think Jacare was super over the hill, but obviously it's very impressive to submit him. Um, but just totally dominated uh, Eric Anders, uh, one via an arm bar. You know, Andre Muniz is, is somebody to watch out for. We put him at number 15 in the middleweight division. Um, just just a, a really, really good performance. And, you know, stylistically, um, someone someone to watch out for at middleweight because it, it doesn't seem like there's a whole ton of, you know, high-level grapplers at middleweight, and you certainly can carve out a career um, doing what Andre Muniz has been doing. You know, like, you got Jack Hermanson. Holy shit, excuse me. You got Jack Hermanson, who's a great grappler. Um, Brunson's a good wrestler, but out, outside of that, like you know, you, you you can you can really you can like you can do you could be he could be the Jacare of the division. Where I'm not saying Andre Muniz is a future champion, but you know if you, if you're a high enough level of grappler, you can win enough fights to you know get a handful of main events and 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 stay relevant at. At, at the minimum, you know, in, in the ranking. So I, I think Andre Muniz is, is definitely somebody to, to look out for. Uh, we had Aaron Blanchfield winning unanimous decision against Miranda Maverick. Uh, that, that really said a lot to me because I'm a big believer in Miranda Maverick. Unfortunate for her because that's two losses in a row. She very clearly, very, very, very clearly won against Macy Barber. Unfortunately, we put Miranda out of the rankings she was at 14. She's now outside of the rankings. We put Aaron Blanchfield at the 14 spot. A, a big, a big win for Blanchfield. I mean, 22 years old. Uh, she she looked really, really good. I you know I I didn't think a crazy amount about her in in the Sarah Alpar fight, but that's a big, big step up for Blanchfield, and the the really the biggest winner um, on on Saturday night was Macy Barber. That Macy Barber had that fight canceled with um, uh, Aaron Blanchfield because Aaron Blanchfield would have, you know, you saw what Miranda Maverick did to Macy Barber. Aaron Blanchfield would have dominated Macy Barber. So Macy Barber, you know, should be counting her fucking lucky stars. Um, you know, it just it just seems like uh, I, I really hope Aaron Blanchfield can actually do something because it seems like we get these awesome awesome flyweight prospects and then it's always the next one that does something and then it's the next one so you know macy barber oh my god macy barber can she be the youngest champ ever well then she loses a bunch of fights and then miranda maverick comes by and she looks so good and she still looks good and i still believe in her and then she loses to the the next prospect aaron blanchfield so i I really hope aaron can actually be the one to like break into like the top five and, and actually inject some of this young talent in into this division that we've we we see at the outskirts but nobody's really been able to penetrate in outside of like maybe talia santos uh, at this point because it's it's a division that's just ready to be taken over it, at least you know at least out, outside of shevchenko obviously i don't mean i don't mean shevchenko is ready to lose but you know in terms of climbing the rankings like Nobody's on a winning streak in this division, and everybody has a good win and a bad loss. Like, everybody's beat everybody, and everybody's lost to everybody in this division. So it's such a, it's such a like, quicksand division that you could just, like, rise to the top in that, you know, you just hope, like, I just hope Aaron Blanchfield or Casey O'Neill or just, like, one of these young prospects, like, all you would have to do is win two fights, and you're probably fighting for the title. Uh, you know what I mean? Because it's such a wish-washy division uh we had a unanimous decision victory for ryan hall over Derek minner ryan hall is just way too good of a grappler for for Derek uh and, and fighters at, at the lower level so 
I'm still very bullish on Ryan Hall and his future in this sport because he's not a good striker, but if he's fighting lower-level guys, this is what's going to happen. Uh, Tony Kelly with a round two knockout of Randy Costa looked really good. I, you know, I thought I thought Costa was probably going to knock him out in round one. Uh, t- tough loss for Costa. I mean, Tony Kelly just wanted it more, stayed aggressive, locked him down. Good striker. That was really an eye-opening performance from Tony Kelly. Uh, again, I'm not going to be too high on him and and you know talk about whatever. He's 34 and you know he's two and one in the UFC, but that was one hell of a performance. And again, I say this all the time, but, you know, if you can just, like, Tony Kelly's not going to become champion probably ever because even the greatest of prospects never become champion. You know, you can't become champ in one fight. You can't get into the rankings in in one fight, uh, usually. So it's like, just have a performance people remember and and have people want to see you fight again. And that's what he did. That's what he did. You know, don't don't think 12 steps down the line. You know, I I think that's a, a major win for Tony Kelly against Randy Costa. Costa wasn't anywhere near the rankings. He's not a former champ. You know, but just hey, that's a win. You got a win, and you had a performance that people will remember your name and want to see you fight again. That's as big of a dub as you possibly could have at this point in your career. You know what I mean? And then you can build upon that the next time, and build upon that the next time, and then. Maybe you went after that. Maybe you're in. Maybe you're in a co-main uh, spot. You know what I mean. So it's like one step at a time. And this was one solid, legitimate step for Tony Kelly. Uh, and then we had Jillian Robertson winning uh, with a last second in, in round number one, four fifty-nine. Rear naked choke of Priscilla Cashueda, who's an absolute scumbag, eye-gouging uh, loser. And and good for Robertson. I mean, like I said, I I. I I know she's very talented. She's a good grappler, but we've certainly seen limitations in her game uh, over the last couple of years. And she gets a win, stays on track, and, and hopefully Cashweta gets cut. Cashweta is not a good fighter, uh, and she's dirty. And uh, yeah, I hope she gets cut. All right. Well, with that, we'll uh, we'll wrap it up here. Again, we do have updated rankings. You can check out all the uh, the updates uh, at NorthStarSports.media. Uh, we'll have a preview maybe tomorrow, maybe tomorrow for, uh, the, uh, fight night between Derek Lewis and Chris Dawkins. We'll probably have a mailman's matchmaking at some point in the week as well. And then maybe like Sunday we'll have a recap and maybe Monday we'll do the, uh, awards. So it should be a pretty busy schedule here, uh, for North Star Sports. Again, follow me on Twitter at Owen Ely MN. North Star Sports on Twitter at North Star M-I-N. Please leave a, a five-star review and just show some uh, support for the show. And, and with that, thanks for tuning in, everybody.